0: Pictures.
1: Welcome.
0: Welcome. I'm Tara. I'm Today
1: we're going to talk about chapter 15 of Harry Potter and. Of
0: Madam Butterfly. <laughs> Madam Butterfly.
1: Also <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Called the also.
0: Goblin's this is not. Revenge. We're not talking about two books.
1: <laughs> That's a lot of books.
0: That's too many books. Two is too many books. It's called the Goblin's Revenge.
1: Cheers. <laughs>
0: Patreon. Patreon.
1: Do you want to do it again? Yeah, we'll try it again. So before <laughs> we jump into everything, wanna go ahead and Give a shout out to our amazing patrons for Basic Snitches. You can join. Amazing
0: patrons for Podcasts and Daph.
1: <laughs> also them. What
0: did you think? That we were going to say something about patrons from someone We're going to talk about
1: Nisi a lot. We love you, Nisi. Okay. Uh, she's both. She's both.
0: That's why. I'm be jealous of the patrons.
1: <laughs> you can listen to my voice. You voice could too. subscribe to her other <laughs> Patreon, too. But we have nine of you wonderful, wonderful humans who are our patrons. You can join this list if you want to for 5 or $10 a month. It's fun. Lots of content from us bitches. And you should. Not you uh, can.
0: You should. You better. You can. You, you should better. Be better.
1: Join this group of people. Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Mary Beth, Niecy, Nicole, Olivia, Jen, Megan.
0: Congratulations. I just
1: need, like need to have my list because I know who all of you are. I have
0: to refer to a list. That's,
1: you guys are amazing and you could be on that list of amazing people too. Better. You better.
0: Who won lost the last episode? Who do you think? This one is tricky. Because I gave Ron the most points, but I have a feeling that you might take them away. Because he also did not have a good time, okay? He was bloody and shit, missing body parts. So, I'm going to say that Ron lost. And I'm going to say Hermione won because she was very prepared.
1: Hermione won. Okay. Um, the loser is Voldemort because... Because he
0: angry. He mad little baby. He's a... Like... Baby wants jelly. Your baby needs jelly. <laughs> Because but he doesn't know where his little wand man is. His, he, little, wand his man. little wand man. His little wand man. He, That's what I call my weenie.
1: He, he handles his. I'm ignoring this. Yeah, you're trying, <laughs> but
0: you're not doing a very good job. I'm not. I'm
1: not doing a good job at all. He literally murders a person who did not do a fucking thing wrong. So loser. <laughs>
0: Terror thing. Did, did you send it to I, me? I I, I did. Oh. I did. Chapter 15, The Goblin's Revenge. And so begins the never-ending quest to find the perfect camping spot. The first try, however, is a bust as a fun pack of Dementors seem to be hanging out there. When Harry can't conjure Patronus, Hermione figures out that it's because he's wearing Slytherin's locket, which clearly affects everyone's mood when they wear it. They leave the Dementors and try another camping spot. This one is near a farm and after only having eaten a few mushrooms the day before, they feast on toast and eggs. The trio continues to test new campsites while slowly becoming more and more discontent over their progress in finding and destroying horror practices they revisit the same conversations about what they could be and where they could be hidden while continuing their travels nothing's funny about this (laughs) i'm laughing at just (laughs) happening harry keeps thinking about the blonde thief and begins to suspect that the others are talking about him when he's not around ron and hermione bicker like an old married couple and after weeks of being on their own harry hears other people moving outside the campsite ready to fight for this pretty good camping spot (laughs) Harry, Ron, and Hermione listen to the voices nearby and realize that Ted Tonks, Dean Thomas, Dirk Criswell, and a couple of goblins have also decided to test this area for camping. By doing what they do best and being nosy little eavesdroppers, they learn that Dirk, Ted, and Dean are on the run because they didn't register as muggle-born wizards. And the goblins with them have also determined that being safely away from the mass wizard population is best for them at this point. Dean, Ted, Dirk, and the goblins... Talk about what's going on at Hogwarts and the fact that the Quibbler is where wizards are getting news nowadays. At Hogwarts, Ginny, Luna, and Neville tried to steal the Sword of Gryffindor and were punished by being sent into the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid. During this, it is revealed by Griphook the Goblin that the Sword of Gryffindor is actually not at Hogwarts and the one in Snape's office is fake. After their neighbors finish their meal, they decide to move on from this campsite. They leave and Hermione pulls out the portrait of our favorite Slytherin headmaster, Phineas Nigellus to learn more information about the Silver Trio's break-in of Snape's office. The Master of Sass himself confirms that the last time Dumble had taken the sword out of its case, he had used it to break a ring. Hermione and Harry immediately know that this means that the sword of Gryffindor can be used to destroy Horcrux. Excited about hearing new information after all these months, the two begin trying to figure out where the real sword could be when Ron speaks up for the first time in a while. Say that he thought Harry had a better plan than this. He pitches at both of them and tells off Hermione for keeping her promise to Harry before leaving. He's
1: like, bye.
0: He's like, I'm a little bitch, 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 bitch. <laughs> He's also a I should composer. have had adjectives <laughs> ready. I, you took all my adjectives in the last episode. I did, I took all episode. your adjectives in the last episode. You took all my adjectives!
1: <laughs> that was very, like, Schmeagol. You were, like, coming for me.
0: You took all of my adjectives. I haven't said <laughs> Your those precious adjectives. adjectives. My precious adjectives. So, Harry buries an eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so that happens. The whole thing about not being able to cast a Patronus and the way the locket is affecting him. I bring up the energy thing again that I brought up in the last time. Magic is rooted in energy. It was interesting at first that I was like, wow, it's that powerful where he's not able to do a Patronus. Right. But, I mean, I guess when you really take a step back and think about it, maybe it does make more sense.
1: I mean, I think that it's probably a culmination of some of the things, but the locket is definitely not helping.
0: I have to think. When we look back into book three, he was four years younger. He was able to do it in a really dire situation yeah. in a very powerful way. That just shows how powerful this locket is. Even at, like we talked about in the last episode, that this is an eighth of his soul.
1: Yeah. Just like everyone, you're going to have off days and Harry's under a lot of stress. If either of them have been wearing the locket and doing the same thing, I think this, the same thing would have happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Harry's the best at Conjuring a Patronus.
0: To your point, too they're not sleeping in the best situations. They're not eating the best nutrition.
1: Well, and Harry, who out of the three of them definitely has experience of not actually, like, eating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he he even mentioned it. He's, I think, affected less by the food scarcity than the other two, but not to, like, be a cliche bitch, but he has the weight of the fucking world on his shoulders. Yeah. And also he's wearing a piece of
0: Voldemort's soul. I think that's the other big thing. Like, when we take a step back... We've already talked a lot about Ron. So if you wanted to hear us talk about Ron, go listen to the last episode. But at the same we'll time... We'll talk
1: more about it, I'm sure. But Yeah,
0: because like the whole like your privileges showing thing. Obviously, Ron is concerned about his family and stuff. And then that obviously comes up at the end of the chapter, too. But that's exactly it. The weight of the world is on Harry's shoulders. Harry doesn't really have a choice here. If he had family, yes, I'm sure he would have been very concerned about them. But at the same time... There's a lot riding on Harry. I mean, this is Harry's actual life. Like, Ron, you have the ability to go back and be with your family. Harry doesn't have anywhere else to go. Anywho, they have some more Horcrux discussions. Uh, They talk about where they think he might be hiding them. And it's interesting because we do get a little of information about them going to where the orphanage was. And now it's like, what, an office building or something? And they realize, like, this is far too basic for Voldemort. Well, it's it's
1: interesting because Harry's instincts from day one have been like, we need to go to Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we can't go there now. Harry said, I still reckon he might have hidden something at Hogwarts. Hermione said, but Dumbledore would have found it. Dumbledore didn't find the fucking Chamber of Secrets. He didn't know the actual, like, magic behind the Room of Requirement. Dumbledore doesn't know fucking everything, Hermione. Right. Like, and Harry basically said It's a that. vast
0: school. There's tons of, like, secret passages in Hogwarts that we learned throughout the entire book.
1: And then Ron, who's not an academic, who's like, his school... Yeah,
0: yeah. Ron. I mean, it's not—it's not a tiny little elementary school in the middle of nowhere. In Ron. Now that the interesting thing is, it's said multiple times in this chapter how Harry would kept thinking of Hogwarts, but the other two didn't think so, so he didn't pay attention. Well, we do a little bit of some math here and figure out. All right, we know what four of the six. Alleged. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Harry isn't even on the map, is something. Or, no. And being the seventh, we know four of the six now. Three of them are destroyed. Wait, no, hold on. That's not right. Two of them are destroyed. Two of them one are destroyed. Of them they have in their yes. And one of them is Snakey. They know that Snaky is one, too. So really, they're only looking for two more locations, and one of them happens to be Hogwarts. Now, I don't know if any of them would have necessarily thought Gringotts as well, but while I was reading this, it got me thinking, like, if I were in in their position, and it feels like we are at a standstill now, what do we have to work with? And, like, Ron in particular is very vocal about, like, oh, we thought that... You would know what you're doing. We done Dumbledore. I told you things. Yeah. Dumbledore gave you guys some clues here in the gifts. Well, that would that's be my they first figure thought. figure out in
1: this chapter. They figure out what's going on with the sword of Gryffindor. Like, they figure that yes.
0: out. I almost feel like that would be my first inclination is like, we need to all read through this book that Hermione got, for example. There needs to be some more work there. They eventually get there. I just am thinking in this moment when they're talking about where should we go... My logical in the first step is we have to use the tools that right. we already have. Because I'm a logical person, just yes. like Hermione just says like Hermione. in the movie. <laughs> it's a, We'll talk about it when we get to the movie. But Well,
1: and the other tool that they have that Hermione disapproves of is Harry keeps seeing Grindelwald. You,
0: like visions. Thief.
1: His yeah. visions. And Ron is always like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? You know, Ron is like trying to make sure his family is okay and all that. And well,
0: Harry's and there's like, That's not what one I see. point... Actually, I think it's at the end of the last chapter, which is another reason why I probably gave Ron some points. Because at the end of the last chapter, it's Hermione being on this occlumency train. And just really pounding it in. Oh yeah, and like
1: Ron lets Harry talk him through what he sees. Yeah.
0: And so there is at least that. Which is another, you know, point for Ron from the last chapter. I mean, I already said in the last episode too, it's going to happen until it happens. Like, Hermione, you may not approve of this. This is just how it is at this point. You know, there's something to be said. Again, this is just a conspiracy theory on my part, but these Horcruxes are being destroyed. There may be something behind this dark, complex magic that there's an understanding that, okay, the locket is now in danger. As the other Horcruxes are being destroyed, maybe it's strengthening the bond between the hairy Horcrux and Voldemort and things like that. You know, who knows?
1: Right. That's an interesting thing to think about is like, As other pieces of his soul are destroyed, are the remaining pieces of his soul being a little more, like, rejuvenated? Yeah, who
0: knows? Another thing that they talked about here, and they actually used this as a way to debunk Hogwarts as a location.
1: Oh, he went for the job interview. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. And he didn't get
1: the job, and Hermione is like, when
0: would he have been able to hide it? Yeah, I don't know. Do they have a security team at Hogwarts to make sure that all guests have a badge and are with... Uh, somebody at all times? Doubtful. They absolutely do not. We did definitely didn't have anything like that in the 90s. Do you want me to pee? Okay. There you go. Is that what you were waiting for? You paused. I
1: was going to finish talking. I don't want to interrupt you.
0: Oh. Trying to be a polite bitch. That's fine. It's just pouring of pee into a glass. <laughs> but yes, that whole thing. And the fact that they kind of like they they got so close and then i mean it's fine they can't go to hogwarts now anyway so it is what it is but
1: it's not the end of the school (laughs) here
0: yeah so it's kind of funny because at the same time i'm like all right yeah i mean you have a very minute point at the end ron that oh it's another thing for us to try to find um when they do figure out about this sort of gryffindor uh whatever i know so
1: yeah well ron is saying rude things he's like my mom can make good food appear out of thin air and is like bitch No. Let
0: me school you and be scientific. How about some
1: education about magic?
0: I did write somewhere in my notes prior to that, like, you guys have magic. But they could still utilize magic in other ways. I'm glad that they, you know, got to uh, a farm and were able to get eggs and stuff because I don't like mushrooms anyways. I know you don't. That would be very nasty. I mean, at the same time, I am kind of like, I don't know. I guess you could say that the same thing is actually learning to cook. Cooking with magic probably takes a skill. Hermione obviously hasn't had the opportunity to learn how to cook.
1: (laughs) No, because she lives in a muggle household, or she's fed by Hogwarts staff. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're having a little married couple argument, and then Harry's like, shut the fuck up, I can hear things.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. And that's when all of
1: our friends come.
0: Yes, because it definitely feels like through all this time that time is stretching. You know, they're spending a lot more time out in these woods.
1: Yeah. We've got little lines here and there. They're giving us the passage of time, but it's not as in the forefront as it is in school, you know? So it's like autumn now.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean, that's exactly the thing. Very rarely before this have we gotten instances in a chapter where it's like, oh, there was nothing consistent. Like, it's like almost like it's cut out of the book if it's inconsistent, you know? Yeah. So, yes, they hear these voices. At this point, truly, I did not really remember what this could have been. So it was kind of like nice... Obviously we hear the name Ted. Mm-hmm. The first person we think about is Ted Tongs. Same with Dean. That's why these woods are called the Forest of Dean, because he came and he in them and named them himself.
1: <laughs> the first time I read this book, when we got to this chapter, it was very intense, you know, when Harry's like Be quiet and then like it says, maybe their enchantments were about to be tested by dark magic for the first time. And I remember feeling like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what's happening? And then, like, that sense of relief as you learn that these are not yes. people are going to hurt them. And then Dean being there just felt like a gift of someone that you know and recognize. Like, yes, we've heard of Dirk Criswell, and we've met Ted Tonks, but having Dean felt just good. I don't know. It was something about the very first time I read it that I was like, I felt better for however long, I guess. To just have Dean Yeah.
0: It's someone who's familiar. To hear someone
1: else is okay. And then, of course, through this you hear about Neville and Luna and Ginny breaking into Snape's office. But it's so isolated. It's just these three.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting that it's this group of first of all we need to have goblins there because of the whole goblin metal thing this being a major clue of like how to destroy horcruxes yeah where the
1: goblin's like oh it's really funny because it's actually a fake sword yeah
0: and then of course we learn about the silver trio that they're okay all of that it's interesting that it's these three that they've chosen could there have been other people that they put here instead?
1: Yeah, because we don't actually know if Dean is really muggle-born. That, yes, prove, exactly. He can't prove his wizard heritage. He's a character that we've been with since day one.
0: Right, that's Sorry. allegedly what I was going to say, too. Because we don't know, like, is there another one of Harry's classmates who could have been there instead? Dean fits the role Yeah, perfectly. I
1: mean, the only other one that we would maybe be able to use would be Justin finch
0: and that's not nearly as poignant no, as usual. Not,
1: it's not. Unfortunately, like, it would be cool to be like, oh, there's Hufflepuff or whatever, but it's like... It's an
0: interesting tie back. Yeah. You know, like, if they were to use Jay Finch, like, oh, this is where you choose to, to reuse him. Now, Dirk, I think, is at least a little bit more timely. We just learned we about just him. We just
1: learned because Ryan Kern, who Harry was impersonating at the Ministry, mm-hmm. turned in his name as not registering.
0: Yep. So that makes sense. And then I think at the very least, Ted Tonks is an easy one on, like, the adult side. To be there with Dean in terms of someone else who's muggle-born.
1: We just spent all that time in the House of Black. Obviously, we had the moment right after the trip from Privet Drive where you learn that Tonks' mother looks just like Bellatrix, like, looks like one of the Black sisters ted and like what tonks background is i think it's nice to be reminded because while ted doesn't necessarily play a huge part in the in the book he is the father of someone who does and ted is lovely unfortunately it's sad because you know all of these characters die except
0: for dean Mm. i did not remember that ted senior did I mean, at the very least, you know, for what it is right now, it's helpful. It moves along the plot. It's exactly kind of like what we needed. Yeah. Something kind of out of the blue to get them moving again. I was writing notes as we were going through here because you never quite know sometimes when they're going to actually give you all the information that you need because it was like, there's someone who's missing something at Hogwarts and it's like, okay, what's this like riddle about, you know, but they fill in all the blanks that they tried to steal the sword. It was a fake anyway. Now, the interesting thing here is, because they do kind of tie this back, is like, oh, there's Basilisk Venom in the sword now because it takes in what makes it stronger, all of that. But they didn't make that piece of, like, any true Gryffindor can summon the sword.
1: No. But they need the
0: hat for that.
1: No, you don't.
0: You can just summon it no matter what?
1: So the only times we've seen it summoned has been out of the hat, but I don't know that that's necessarily it.
0: Well, that's good. That's um, one maybe those...
1: maybe it is, because obviously when the sword does show up in this book, it was put there by a person.
0: Yeah. Now, obviously the person who puts it there is Snape. Snape. How does Snape get the real sword?
1: I don't remember.
0: We'll figure it out.
1: But yes, after they like listen in on all of this.
0: The continuity of, like... Okay, now let's consult Phineas Nigellus Black and use magic so he doesn't know where we are.
1: She's on fucking top of it. She's so good.
0: Because everything about that, like even taking it from the first place, reacting to it immediately, well, it's just so good.
1: Hermione and Harry's whole trajectory through the section where they're like figuring out. And Harry's like, this happened. And... Hermione's like, I know, and she pulls out the Phineas Nigella's portrait and the way that they talk to him. They're kind of, like, on this, like, upward trajectory of, like, adrenaline and excitement. Because they're learning something, and they're progressing, and they're going to get somewhere from this. Yeah. And the whole thing with the sword, and then, you know, the talking through it and realizing the sword has basilisk venom. And that's why Dumbledore left it to Harry and his will as a clue that you need to get the Sword of Gryffindor so you can destroy the Horcruxes.
0: Yes. Yep. Like I said previously, it does kind of make me wish that they, at that point, were like, oh, well, that's the purpose behind that. What's the purpose of these other things? But, I mean, we'll get there. Here's the thing. Ultimately, like we had been discussing here, it's a breakthrough that they've been exactly. waiting for. It's been a while. It's like this is like good news for them in many ways. They learn that Ginny is fine, etc., when Ron kind of comes up, or in some way they do kind of remember that he's there, or he chimes in and he's like, I'm here too.
1: Harry says, Dumbledore trusted Snape, Harry reminded her, not enough to tell him that he had swapped the sword, said Hermione. You're right, said Harry, and he felt even more cheered at the thought that Dumbledore had some reservations. So he would have hidden the sword well away from Hogsmeade then. What do you reckon, Ron? And they. Oh, yeah. And then Ron is just like, looking at them from like his bunk and he's like oh oh you remembered that i'm here
0: he's trying to bring you into the conversation here <laughs> it isn't just that they remembered you you're there too like you can participate like it's not a yeah. just a conversation and he's between like the oh the two you forgot
1: them. you remember i was here and harry's like what's the problem and he was like Nah, fine you two carry on or whatever because this is when ron is like you think everything's fine obviously ron went into protective mode because he heard that his sister got in trouble and could have been hurt and he's reacting to that and he doesn't feel that harry reacted the way he should have well
0: and they also had said something along the lines of the last thing they need is another one of their kids being sick and then they walk through like remember what happened to fred remember that you are technically sick at home
1: yeah they're trying to help him like calm down what is ron supposed to do like what can ron fucking do if something had happened to Ginny, what is he going to do about it
0: Right, he's not there to like protect. And here's the other thing: like, I truly believe. I think we both believe Jenny would be able to protect herself. Yeah. Everyone, I think, is able to protect themselves. I think a lot of it is that he's in an uncomfortable position. Yes, he has had expectations clearly. I mean, Hermione right sort of did too. Right now, he's wearing the. Hor- it's all of these other things, and that lead up to this boiling point. My problem with it is that a how much is the horcrux really impacting things but also B, all of your arguments ron are really really fucking petty here oh well you don't know what it's like because it's all my family and stuff but based on what that conversation is you know that they're safe it is what it is you can only control what you can and ultimately like you are on this journey so that we can figure out how to find these horcruxes and destroy them and this is a breakthrough now, in the book, they there's not as much of the plot telling about them trying to destroy the Horcrux at this point. No. But, I mean, I would assume that they would have tried things. We see a p- portion of the movie that we'll talk about momentarily. Yeah. Obviously, if all of their other spells that they have aren't working, they're going to need something else anyway. So now that you know what it is, it's like, sure, you have to go find another thing, but this is what you're here for. Like,
1: Right. So this is an interesting thing. I want to make sure I read this before we talk about the movie. So I want to talk about this now. As Hermione is saying to Ron, what you just said about how you're sick and how George lost an ear and Bill had his face ripped open by a
0: oh that know. too yeah
1: and then Ron says to her, oh you're sure are you right then? Well I won't bother myself about them. It's all right for you two, isn't it? With your parents safely out of the way, my parents are dead. Harry bellowed. And mine could be going the same way, yelled Ron. Then go.
0: But then don't say safely out of the way, dude. Yeah. Like, that's really, really insensitive. It's
1: really insensitive. Yeah. And that's when Ron and Harry are about to pull their wands, and Hermione's like, okay, shield charm.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. She did a really quick protego. Ron takes it off and he leaves.
1: He doesn't quite leave until after he has also just made it worse by turning to Hermione and saying, what are you doing? Are you staying?
0: Oh, that too. Yeah, I was going to say that as like, well.
1: I get it. You choose him.
0: But this conversation is not about choosing one thing Oof. or the other. You're doing what you have to do that's best. Like, what do you think is going to happen when you go home? Oof. Like, if you make it home. Yeah.
1: That comes up when he comes back is like, we find out that he never went home because yeah. he was really, really, really ashamed of how he behaved and everything he chose to do. And obviously it's some growing up to do. But the way he talks to Harry, like the idea of Harry's parents who have already died is not a hurtful thing for harry to deal with i'm already pissed at him for that and then he says to hermione he basically does the him or me kind of thing and
0: this was never a hermione and ron versus harry thing no i don't think it's even that there really is two sides like it feels weird to say that
1: ron is clearly very upset he's very frustrated it's how people are responding to things ron is expecting a certain sort of response he doesn't know what it is, but he's not getting what it is that he thinks it should yeah. be. That is a very, like, emotionally immature kind of reaction to things, I think. If someone does not react to something the way that you believe they should, but also at the same time, they also don't really know what they want. They just know that that's not it.
0: Right. The other thing is that he's still operating. I mean, they're moving their campsite around and all of yeah. this. We didn't... Well, I guess we did talk about the Dementors. But the Dementors, they went to the farm, blah, blah, blah. They, they're moving yeah, around. They're,
1: this is, like, campsite number 47 or some shit like that. Despite
0: and him being splinched So, like, yeah. I kind of get it. And it does take... I imagine Yeah, I'm, I'm some sure courage. that he's
1: very... Yeah, he's very
0: weak. Mm-hmm. The one thing that we also didn't really talk too much about, though, is the whole, like, talking behind Harry's back thing. Yeah. So... That also comes up here and Ron obviously says his very like emotionally charged stuff and Hermione's like, that's not how I said it and stuff. But let's take a step back and when Harry walks in and you two have just been having a conversation, right. it sucks no matter what it is for the person who's walking in the room uh-huh. when two people or who however many people all of a sudden shut up. Come on, man. At the end of the day, if what you're talking about is like, uh, Harry isn't really prepared for this."
1: Y'all came on this
0: trip. I don't know what else to say to that, guys. Yeah, I can. He only knows what he knows. Yeah,
1: he agreed to this, and Harry has been transparent since the beginning. Like, this is everything I know.
0: This chapter, as a whole, I kind of touched on this already too. But it's one of those classic things of like, we get a breakthrough, and now here's a step back, and that bothers me.
1: Like, in Progress, some cases, Progress. Oh, no. well,
0: and in this case, like, because the fight is so stupid, sure, it's probably a plot device and that is used to show the power of the Horcrux and stuff. It's not the same thing as if, I don't know, something actually dangerous that impedes their journey were to put them a step back. It's Ron being a privileged, whiny little piece of shit. So Which you
1: is said worse? That, yeah, you said that at the beginning of the episode, and on the last episode, his privilege is showing. He says it out loud. He's like, "Your families are not in danger."
0: That's great, but Harry's number one, dude, and like Herm- Hermione is a Muggleborn. Read the room.
1: Because I mean, Harry even said he said, "Okay, go back home, uh, tell everyone you're over your spattergore. Do whatever." Like Ron could literally go to Hogwarts the next day, and people be like, "Oh, he's healed from his illness." In the end. Because he can do that because he's a pure-blood fucking wizard and everyone thinks he's sick. Again, it's that level of emotional maturity that he has just not hit and he does not recognize the stakes. And I think that another culmination of all of these emotions in which he's, like, being a dick, come out of the fact that he's terrified. This is because he didn't actually know what he was signing up for.
0: This wine is very acidic. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. And speaking of... I'm not really a huge fan of this chapter either.
1: What? Yeah. This chapter has crazy shit in it and everyone's upset. The the
0: breakthrough is amazing.
1: That's what I love is when they get excited about it and they're like, it's such a beautiful like build of them being like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And then like the sort of Gryffindor and all of this, they hit a fucking wall. When Harry's like, don't you think, Ron? And Ron's like, actually, fuck you. It's a
0: wall that shouldn't be there to begin with. No, We've already had many very tense chapters already here. Not great things happen there. I mean, the whole thing of them escaping the ministry, that was incredibly tense. But this is so, like, purposeless. So, I have the basic snitches first. And that basic extension is first that I do have a game, but it's not based in here in the on chapter. Instead, <laughs> what I did was I created a Connections game for you!
1: Oh gosh, okay?
0: Don't say it like that, you're really good at this and I know Okay, it I've sure. been
1: good at some of them and some of them I'm not, because I tried to do it sometimes in New York Times and it was not good.
0: <sighs> that, I think, happens to everybody. That's not just a Tara thing.
1: But I'm supposed to be good at everything, obviously. I'm not good at anything, friends. Well,
0: I put together this based on the fact that a couple weeks ago, I saw Haunting in Venice.
1: Okay.
0: And it inspired this...
1: Oh, shit.
0: ...thing. So, if you're not familiar with Connections, like Tara said, it is a New York Times game that we also already did on the Patreon. I created some Harry Potter Connections... This one is a little bit different because usually it's like four groups of things that are connected in some way. So that could very well be like... There was one from this past week that was like spheres. Like different names of spheres or something like that. Or like a fill in the blank sort of thing. These all have connections, but it's not completely like that. But I think you'll understand what this is. It's a very Adam connection. Oh,
1: fuck this. So
0: what we have... Is in order, listeners. It's Hercule Poirot, Salome Otterborn, Kenneth Branagh, Don French, Francis De La Tour, Zoe Wanamaker, Minerva McGonagall, Gilderoy Lockhart, Tina Fey, Olympia Maxime, Madame Hooch, Angela Lansbury, Maggie Smith, Albert Finney, Ariadne Oliver, and Miss Bowers. Okay. So, do you kind of get what? themes are here. You just have to kind of make those connections. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, where initially do you see a potential connection here?
1: Well, I mean, I can see potentials between actors and characters.
0: Okay. Name one of them.
1: I mean, Kenneth Branagh and Gilderoy Lockhart.
0: Okay. That's a perfect way place to start because, yes, those two do go together.
1: And Minerva McGonagall and Maggie Smith
0: yes. also go together. Uh-huh. Where can you continue those connections? I don't know. Because for both yeah, of then. those in particular, there's another character on here that they have also played.
1: Okay, well, I don't know all these things. So.
0: Yes. Not that I expect you to remember every word that comes out of my mouth, but I have. Well, I'm assuming
1: about all that Confirin has also played Poirot. Yes. I don't know who all these people have played.
0: Well, um, who's the only other one here who could have played Hercule Poirot? Albert Finney. Yes. So, that one. Is Kenneth Branagh played Gilderoy Lockhart in Harry Potter 2. Mm-hmm. He also played Hercule Poirot in a couple movies. And Hercule Poirot was also played by Albert Finney.
1: Okay. So that's okay. one of them. And all they're right. all
0: structured the same way.
1: Unfortunately, I'm really bad at knowing these other things.
0: I know. Is <laughs>
1: Salome <laughs> Otterborn. Yeah. Has been played by... I'm just guessing shit now. Okay. Or is that a character or is it an actor? That's a
0: character. That's a character.
1: So right. I thought. I was like, I, I recognize all the actors, I think.
0: I mean, you got the men basically out of the way. Because everyone else is a lady.
1: Good. Get the men out of the way, <laughs> always. Okay, so we want to make her has played Madame Hooch. Yep. And I think you told me this once before.
0: Yes, because she's a recurring character in the BBC. Her and that's Miss Bowers. No. No. Who did play Miss Bowers? I have talked about this connection on this podcast multiple times. Don French. Yes. Yes. And who else did play Miss Bowers? So obviously what it is, these are connections between Agatha Christie and Harry Potter. Yes. It's a great idea if I knew jack shit about Agatha Christie. Don French did play Miss Bowers, but obviously the fat lady is not here. Yeah. So that means somebody else... Must have played Miss Bowers in another version. Miss Bowers was is a character from Death in the Nile. Who else is one of these actresses that I've talked about being in Death in the Nile? I don't know. Uh,
1: Salome Otterborn? No. Well, that oh, is that's, a, an act, that's, that's a character. A, that's a character also. Oh, in Death Tina Fey? No. Okay. Is it a Harry Potter actor?
0: Yes. Oh. Yeah, in this case, because there's not fat ladies. Right, so...
1: Zoe Wanamaker? No. No.
0: Maggie Smith? Maggie Smith. What? Okay. Played Maggie. Miss Bowers in the 1978 version.
1: Okay.
0: Of Death and Nile. Dawn French played her in Got it. Okay. 2022. Maggie version. Smith
1: also played Minerva
0: McGonagall. Yes. Okay.
1: Guys, this is really, really smart. I'm just not clicking. As I made
0: this one hard easily. because it. The, this was the whole inspiration for Oh, this I
1: one. think it's a fucking great inspiration. I'm just like, I don't know who anyone is. I know who these actors are mostly. Okay. Okay, well, Zoe Wanamaker played Madame Hooch.
0: Yeah,
1: and someone else. And an
0: Agatha Christie character.
1: Is that Frances de la Tour? Frances
0: de la Tour is the actress who plays Olympia. Maxine. Oh, that is. I was like, I was like, wait, I know that character. <laughs> I know
1: that actor. I've actually never seen her name written out. Oh. Well, we'll here we'll go with that. Frances de la Tour played Madame Maxime.
0: Mm-hmm. Who else did Frances de la Tour play on the Agatha Christie side? Um. You only have a couple choices. <laughs> Salome Otterburn. Yes. And who and else played Salome Otterburn?
1: Angela Lansbury.
0: Correct. Which means the last one is.
1: Sally so Wanamaker plays Madame Pooch, and also
0: Ariadne. Ariadne. That's yeah, a weird
1: name. <laughs> Oliver, and so did Tina Fey. Which... Yes.
0: So here's this.
1: Tina Fey being on this list was so wild. I to me. know. I was like, why are all these British queens here, and then Tina Fey, who was. Her own kind of queen.
0: So Albert Finney played Hercule Poirot in Murder on the Orient Express 1974. Kenneth Branagh played Hercule Poirot in Murder on the Orient Express 2017 and others. He was also in the most recent Death on the Nile and Ponting in Venice. Um, and then Kenneth Branagh played Gilderoy Lockhart in Harry Potter 2. Maggie Smith played Miss Bowers in Death on the Nile 1978. Don French played Miss Bowers in Death on the Nile 2022. Maggie Smith also played Minerva McGonagall in Harry Potter's 1 through 8. Zoe Wanamaker played Ariadne Oliver in multiple BBC Hercule Poirot adaptions. She's a recurring character, Ariadne Oliver. Tina Fey played Ariadne Oliver in A Haunting in Venice, 2023. Zoe Wanamaker played Madame Hooch. In here, but one. Yay. And then Angela Lansbury played Salome Otterborn in Death of the Nile in 1978. This is the one that I had to dig deep for because I forgot. Francis de la Tour played Salome Otterborn in the BBC version of Death of the Nile in 2004. So we've got multiple versions of Death of the Nile here. And then Frances de la Tour also played Olympia Maxine. A few other connections to Agatha Christie is that Frances de la Tour also played Maude Dane Calthrop in the sexiest Agatha Christie book ever, The Moving Finger. Okay. In 2006. That is a Marple, which is a little bit different. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maggie Smith also played Daphne Castle in Evil Under the Sun, 1982, with a bunch of other very well-known Actors. I'm Diana Rigg was in that. Oh, um, queen. Yes. Peter Ustinov could also have been on here as, a, as a Poirot because he was Poirot in that. And then Don French obviously also played the Fat Lady. <laughs> I had to do this. That
1: is, it's so good and like I'm mad at myself for not literally handling it better, but.
0: Well, that'll teach you next time I talk about Christie to pay attention.
1: None of those names surprised me, but just like figuring out the specific connections was.
0: The hard part. about the hard part, let's talk about the movie. The movie. (sighs) So you had mentioned in the last episode, there is this moment where Hermione's in the tent and she hears something. She goes venturing out. This is where she comes literally face to face with a snatcher. Literally. The snatcher can't see her because the protections are so good. It's a creepy little scene. It's incredibly interesting that they decide to put this in instead of who they actually hear out in the woods being Dean and Dirk and Ted. Yeah.
1: And- so, a full disclosure, I love and hate it because I want that moment, I, obviously.
0: I absolutely do, too.
1: But I also think that the choice to show how strong their defense mechanisms and stuff are. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, Um, their defensive spells. Yeah, like,
1: I think that that was really cool. And, of course, then it did lead us to the progression of Ron starting the fight. Because he sees Harry and Hermione together... Which, that was just a choice to kind of move it forward. I didn't love that. I
0: suppose. I mean, there are other ways. Like, we'll get into some other transition things to show the passage of time. Well, let's just talk about it now. Like, in the book, for example, they go to the Dementor area. They go to the farm. They make it very liminal, which I also really appreciate. And some of that stuff of Harry and Hermione are close happens during that, too. They go through this, like, abandoned trailer park. It almost looks like what is it radio towers or something like that like there's something they
1: it's really very cool because they choose all these different places for us to see it's like a tour of the english countryside i guess
0: yes like there are some moments that definitely seem like that there's like one point where they're like hiding in a barn or something yeah and while all this is happening it's the radio signal of like potter watch basically saying here's who has disappeared or been murdered or whatever yeah it fulfills several things for the director and the artists who are creating the movie shows the passage of time it shows how dire things are it gives us a liminal space that shows how lonely they are it does show how ron is kind of feeling alienated so all of that is really great. It's really quite beautiful the way they, they do oh, it, I think. Yes,
1: I think so too.
0: Because of that, I think those actors who are Snatchers, yes, the Snatchers come up later, and it does kind of give us a little bit of a prequel to that. But my thought is, why not keep it like the book so that when Hermione is cutting Harry's hair and she all of a sudden remembers, oh, the Sword of Gryffindor, it had Bacillus. It's Bacimus very women. random, yeah. The way it is in the book, it gives us continuity with Hermione referring back to Phineas Nigelis. The fact that she took that painting from the place. It gives us a little bit of hope and stuff. The movie is devoid of hope. That's also why, like, I think even when we were watching it, I was like, usually the movie cuts out some of the darkness to suit a greater audience they doubled down in the darkness in this instance cuz I do think that having those actors would set us up a little bit more for that and then continue the plot in a more natural way. Cuz I don't like that. I don't like that Hermione all of a sudden has just, this epiphany.
1: I mean that's literally the screenwriter's default. We're like, "Ah, uh, how do we? Oh, well just Hermione will just remember because she's Hermione." That's cheap. She does have times in the books where she thinks of things. Let's do that when it's time.
0: Yeah. You know what it it very much gives? It gives how they learned about Nicholas Flamel on a chocolate frog card. Yeah. It gives that. Because otherwise, oh, I just picked this up for light readings. I'm supposed to be the smart one. Yeah. Sure, but we already know that she's a smart one from many other things. Not because she has great epiphanies. Yeah. I like the movie. I feel mixed about it because I would have much preferred to have the original thing that they overhear.
1: I do too, just because one. More opportunities to see people's. But I do think that they handle the fight pretty well.
0: I do too. They don't completely go into some things. Like the whole thing of... And they didn't really depict this in the movie either. Of Harry, Hermione and Ron talking behind Harry's back.
1: But They do show earlier on in that. You see the two of them together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's not, but it's not It's not, no. not
0: the like talking behind the back thing. No. Yeah, like when they walk back and Ron sees it. I don't know. At the same time, I'm like, Ron, even when you're not wearing the locket, like just communicate with them. These are supposed to be your friends. Why are you guys being so secretive and stuff? Whatever. So They did take Harry's
1: line, what did you think we'd be staying in five-star hotels, that line. Yeah. That came right out of the book. That, that was did, almost identical. He
0: also said something about like being back to mom by Christmas. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that whole section. I was like, oh, that was right out of the book.
0: I will say this. I do like the way that they get into the fight, like how Hermione and Harry are into it, and then he uses the deluminator.
1: Oh, oh yeah. By the way, I'm still here. <laughs> for whatever yeah. he says
0: That portion is very close to it. So it's funny because I also told Tara before we recorded that I looked ahead a little bit to see, okay, what are we doing soon? And is the next chapter called Catrice Hollow?
1: Yep.
0: So spoiler alert for the end of the episode, but... I was happy to see that. Whereas in the movie, there's still a few things that happen before we get to Godric's Hollow. So like they suddenly remember the whole thing, with the snitch, which has happened at this point chapters ago, but we'll talk about that, that, that in the next episode. Yes. So.
1: <laughs> Points. Points.
0: Points. I don't give or take anything from the trio. Interesting. And the reason why I did that is the whole thing with the locket, still gives me pause about taking points away from Ron in particular. Mm. Who knows? Maybe I'll do it later when he comes back. Or it's like, if Ron were here, this perhaps would have been better and stuff. Because ultimately, do I think Ron deserves to have points removed? Yeah, I do. I think he's a fucking asshole in this chapter. I didn't take him because of that locket thing. So I need to read a little bit more and then maybe I'll take them away. After the fact.
1: It's your thing. You can change the rules whenever you want.
0: And so who knows? Maybe I'll change the rules. But I am only giving points this chapter. Ooh. So I'm giving 10 to Luna, Neville, Ginny, Dean, Dirk, Ted, and Grip Hook, All of the people that they overheard except for unnamed Goblet. Gornak. Uh, did they name him? They do name him. Well, I fuck that. I didn't remember that. So we don't get points. Sorry, Gornak. Gornak so everyone they overheard and then the, the silver shoe for stealing the sword of Gryffindor that can't have been easy either to steal it from the headmaster's office right and then I'm also giving five to Phineas Nigelis Black because he helped I fucking love Phineas Nigelis. I know
1: Next, next time, time,
0: as you had already heard, we are going Just to be discussing 16. Chapter Sixteen, which is God called Godric's, Godric's Hollow. Which is good. Like this, at least, is a like a seed that has been planted. I think at this point we've kind of exhausted a lot of our options, so it's kind of nice to go back to that. Which
1: is why they end up going there, because Harry's like, "What, what else are the we going to do?" Gonna do? Yeah. Right. and he's like, "Yeah, I think you're right."
0: Yep. So. So until
1: next time, friends.
0: Yes. Bye.
1: Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk.
1: Yes. Join our social media pages Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com.
0: We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. Woo! and a Patreon, patreon.com slash basic snitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Tarantallegra, dance bitch.
1: I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing.
0: Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out.